and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, we are talking about the increase of building standards, and we're very pleased to be joined by our special guest, Ed Crothall from Orange Homes. Ed, welcome back. G'day, g'day. And this is an interesting one, because a couple of you listeners have asked about the increasing cost to build. And yesterday, we talked about those increasing costs to build, but today, we're going to talk about something that's not often talked about. The building standard increasing and the minimum levels that a new build needs to meet. So we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into these building standards and how often they change. So tougher building standards are coming in. Just in simple terms, because we've got simple ears. Um, you can't I, call them that. <laughs> oh, see, it's, it's good for Come you. On, Matt, Come on, Come on, show. What are the changes? So, look, what's changing is the building code, which is what all buildings in New Zealand have to meet to. And it's a particular portion of the code called H1. It's all about energy efficiency. So the three main areas that have changed are roof insulation. That's going to move from a minimum R3.6 to an R6.8. Oh, an R6.8. Yeah, well, it's, so it's almost, <laughs> almost doubling. Oh, that's my favourite one. I love a 6.8. Yeah, now, so that's R2-D2's cousin, right? Yeah, sure. No, look, I'll decode that. It just means it's a number assigned to how much insulation value a particular part of the build has. So the higher the number means the more insulating it is. Right. Yeah. So, so more insulation or just a higher spec? Probably both. Okay. So it's more and it's going to hold more heat in, basically. So more cost. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. And what else is changing? So that's one component. The second is in your window glazing, your aluminium joinery, it's called. So at the moment we have double glazing that's in right. Canterbury, for example. Yep. Is that changing? Yeah, it is. So you're still going to have your, your double glazing. However, you're also going to have to insert a part of rubber between the inside and the outside window frames. It's called thermally broken windows. Does that stops loss of heat? Yeah, that's basically it. Yep, stops loss of heat. It also stops your window edges from crying, as they call it, right. you know, condensation coming down. On top of that, you're going to have to apply what's called a low E coating to the glazing. Okay, and, and, and for, for the dum-dums in this room, again, us. <laughs> just boosts the insulation value. It holds more heat in right. and will keep the place warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. Anything on the outside? No, so and then on top of that, in the middle, it needs to be what's called argon filled. So it's a gas, if you remember back to chemistry days, and again, just has a higher insulation property. So all of those changes are going to have to be applied to any new dwellings going to be consented coming up. I'm pretty sure I use argon to keep my wine fresh. I thought argon was the thing you put on your face, and they were no. the multi they were the multi level marketing company. <laughs> it's argon, but I use argon in my wine. I'm sure. Now let me ask you this, Ed. What is the issue with the old standards? Why are these new standards or this new code necessary? Yeah, good question. So look, what they're trying to achieve here are a two main outcomes. Number one, New Zealand signed up to getting carbon neutral by 2050. And the government has seen this as a way to try and reduce our carbon emissions to try and achieve that goal. The second is to just play a little bit of catch up to the rest of the world who have had these standards for quite a while. And yeah, we have just been dragging the chain a wee bit. Okay, so we're a bit behind compared to other countries. Yeah, one comment I would make there is, although we are behind compared to other countries, we're not Sweden, we're not Canada, we're not necessarily in a place where these changes are necessarily as needed. Oh, because we're a, we're a warmer climate in some parts of the country. Correct. Well, maybe not in Queensland though, right? 
Do they separate it out based on area? Yeah, totally. So it used to be split up into three areas. It's now split up into six areas. Right. And you're right, Queenstown and Gore and Invercargill, they are going to require a wee bit more, uh, not heaps more, but a wee bit more than what is required, say, in Auckland. And if you were to give us a ballpark of how much more this will cost someone building a house, roughly what's it going to cost? Yeah, well, look, I did some numbers on a, a project of mine at the moment, and it's about a 5.2% increase. Oh, uh, quite a lot. Yeah, quite a lot. I'd rather freeze yeah well 22 and a half grand in in real dollar values so just yeah, get a bl- extra blanket mate that's what i think that's what <laughs> yeah. we used to a hot water bottle well we were never allowed to turn the heaters on as kids no just get really? an extra jumper get a jumper yeah, and a hot water bottle and you'll be away laughing <laughs> <laughs> they don't have electricity when you're growing up so 22 grand really yeah, yeah well look one other thing i, f- I forgot to mention as well is that the foundation now has to be insulated around the perimeter as well. So they basically run polystyrene around the perimeter of the insulation. But if you do that, you kind of need to plaster it as well. Otherwise, you'd have this ugly blue stuff around the, the bottom of your slab. Wouldn't be looking too flash. Twenty. Uh, tw- I heard that right. 22 grand. 22 and a half grand, yeah, on a $430,000 build. It's a lot of money, Andrew, isn't it? Now, let me ask you this. Who even sets these standards then, Ed? And how often are they updated? So who's making the rules and how often are they making these changes? Yeah, so it's the good old Ministry of Innovation and Employment. Did I say the right? Ministry of Business Innovation and Employment. Employment. Cheers. Yeah, so they, they do make a change every 12 months, sometimes with a change in the middle. But this is the biggest one that we've seen for ages. And is it a fair assumption? My assumption is that these standards only ever get tougher. They never get relaxed. We never find out something that says, oh, perhaps we didn't need Healthy it to be homes. this high spec. But I'm talking about the building standards right. specifically here. You are right about healthy homes. But have you ever seen the building code be relaxed that would allow for some of those costs to come down? Yeah, not even one time. They just always make things either tougher or will think of a new problem that they're trying to solve and then put something in place to essentially fix that problem. Every time they make this annual adjustment, what does it generally cost? Yeah, look, obviously it depends on the change that's being made. So this is a huge this one. This is a big one, This right? is a huge one, yeah. I mean, this isn't normal. They are making... Why would they make it now oh, when there's a labour and supply shortage? I know, I know. Why? It's hard enough to get bats at the moment. Now we're basically going to have to double the amount in order to put them into the ceiling. And we're in short supply right now. So fortunately, they have given us a sort of a 12-month period to transition towards this. So it's not as if we're going to have to be changing from contracts that we've already signed. Yes. So it's something that we can prepare for. But yeah, to have all three happen at once yeah. is pretty tough. What does it mean for someone that's already built a house just recently and they think, oh, I've got the latest and greatest in terms of building code? Uh, have they got a short old house now? I asked our maintenance manager, how often do we get complaints about our homes uh, mm. being cold? Not not any. We, we never mm. do. Modern homes, and I'm speaking in, about Christchurch, are built for our conditions yeah. right now. They're fine. We never get negative feedback about homes being cold at the moment. Double so wh- why are they bother changing it then? Oh, is it this whole carbon neutral thing we're going for? Yeah, it, it is that. But I think that they are not necessarily going for the low-hanging fruit. When you think that, okay, so... You increase the insulation, you're using less heating, you're using less electricity. Well, this country already generates 85% of our electricity by renewables anyway. So I don't really see how that's going to lower our carbon emissions. Well, I'm no carbon expert, so I won't dig into that. (laughs) I would have thought that if you really wanted to fix that problem, 
What you'd want to do is fix older homes rather than set new, new standards for homes that are probably going to be relatively energy efficient I guess anyway. people just wouldn't do it though, right? Like, well, so, I so can you've understand. Got, yeah, you've got a bunch of older homes and people don't necessarily have the money to afford to upgrade them. They're assuming that the people that are building homes now have to be forced to it. No, I can understand that point of view, I, it's, but it's not really targeting the, the actual problem. It's not dealing with the issue. Now, should investors then expect in 12 to 24 months' time, should they expect that the cost to buy a new build property, whether they are designing and building it themselves or purchasing a turnkey solution, should they expect that prices are going to be up at least 22 and a half grand compared to what they would otherwise be? Yeah, well... Definitely. I mean, it costs money to make these changes. We're not making it up, you know. So, yes, definitely the cost of building will go up. And do you expect that it will probably be more than 22 and a half? So if it's 22 and a half that you guys are going to have to pay, surely there's got to be some extra margin in there as well for, for managing all of this as well. So it's potentially higher than 22 and a half? Yeah, look, I applied that to a four bedroom, two bathroom, 180 square meter type home. If you've got a bigger home than that, then yeah, of course, it is going to mean that the price is going to be more than that 22 and a half that I cited. And that's based on today's prices. So we know that we are in a high cost inflationary environment at the moment. So by the time that these actually kick in, yeah, it's likely to be higher than that. Well, the other thing is if we see increased demand for those sorts of building materials to meet this code, because it's going to be compulsory, then you could reasonably expect that a higher demand for those sorts of products would increase the price further. So that may be even slightly understated. So how does a property investor listening to the show get their head around all these changes? Well, look, I mean, I've just given a pretty basic summary of everything that you might need to know. But fortunately, it's not up to the actual investor or the person living in the home to make sure that their home complies with this. This is what you pay architects for. And this is why we have councils to make sure that the plans that are being consented comply with the building code. I also think it's important to note that it's probably not reasonable for any investor to actually get their full head around all of the building standards. I mean, even if you look at, I looked at standard NZS 4246 last night, which just covers insulation in residential buildings. It's 162 pages long. And then you've got standards for a whole heap of other stuff. So that's why you're hiring builders, people who understand this, specialists, in order to be able to handle that side for you. You don't really need to dig into the individual standard yourself if you're focusing on where am I going to build and am I building the right property in the right place for the tenant who's going to live in it or for myself if it's an owner-occupier home. Yeah, 100%. And look, I think one other thing to say about that is because of the cost increase, say, per square metre of build going up, I think it's going to be likely that we'll see homes get smaller as yeah. um, people are looking for uh, maybe a similar price product, but you, look, you just can't have the same amount of space. And I suppose the good thing about that, because it reminds me of a podcast we probably did years ago, where we talked about how over time properties are getting smaller. Now, if you expect that properties in general are going to get smaller over time because of rising costs, then your property is relatively more valuable because it was built in a lower regulation environment where you've naturally got a bit more space. And so compared to newer properties that are being built, perhaps your one over time becomes relatively more valuable. Does someone have a problem selling a property that's based on the old code? I wouldn't think so. As no. long as they've got a code of compliance yeah. certificate, you know, you should be fine. I mean, it's the same as selling any home from, you know. 1970. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as long as it complies. Look, nobody asks what no. it was built to. No, like, if you think about a 1950s home, property investors yeah. love them. They love a good old state. It doesn't matter that it would <laughs> never, ever meet today's building yes, code. Yes, yes, yes. 
Now, is there anything else that you think investors need to know about the building standards, Ed? Look, I mean, the silver lining on all of this is that they are going to be slightly better to live in, you know, less dollars out of the pocket to heat up and cool down the property. So it's not as if this is just money wasted. Homes will feel warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. So look, that is one good thing, definitely. And look, I just I just got to say, I've got to say it because there'll be investors screaming at their phones at the moment. Obviously, there does appear to be a wee bit of a contradiction here where we're seeing higher building costs being put onto new build properties at the same time where the government is also trying to maintain or control, rein in, I should say, the price of housing. So obviously yeah. there there is a mismatch here. That's what you sometimes get when you're, you've got all of these different organisations within government. Some are doing different things. And I've just worked out that based on a 4% yield, you've got to get another $17.50 per week just to break even based on that extra 22 and a half grand. Oh, it's quite a lot, isn't it's it? It's a lot of money. That's poor tenants. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you are thinking about your next step in property in 2022, check out our Next Steps video course. Now, you can find this at nextstepsproperty.com or I'll link it into the show notes because this is going to help you figure out what is your next step in property in 2022 and whether we can be a part of it. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the property market. Until next time.